Food, water, shelter, and nesting are all vital to attracting birds to your backyard. Multiple food sources are also helpful. Shop a wide variety of feeders, waterers, and bird food at Blaine's Farm and Fleet to keep your feathered friends happy and healthy all year long. Roses are red, violets are blue, and you bet she'll be talking farming with you. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning, and how are you? I'm Stephanie Hoff with the Midwest Farm Report. I'm so glad you're hanging out with me on a Tuesday morning. Remember, we are in a winter weather advisory. Expect three to five inches of snow, and then tonight expect snow showers before midnight. Stu Muck will join us with those weather details. Also in the hour, we'll hear from U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin on the Build Back Better bill and also dairy labeling. We'll cap off the show with the National Pork Board. Thanks for kicking things off with me this Tuesday morning. Overlook Farms. Hello, sir. Do you have a minute to chat about the beef jerky of the month? A minute? <laughs> I've got hours. What? Because Ingenia Herbicide from BASF has the lowest use rate, I covered more soybean acres more efficiently. If now's not a good time... Thanks to Ingenia Herbicide, I've got plenty of time. What flavors you got? Oh, we've got barbecue, jalapeno... Ingenia Herbicide salmon, is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Every application of Ingenia Herbicide requires the use of a pH-buffering adjuvant. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We'd like to take this moment to say thank you to our clients and staff members who continue to make Settlers Bank a preferred place to bank and work. We wish you the very best over the upcoming holidays and look forward to a prosperous new year. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. More and more farmers are turning their farms into grassland, and they're raising what we consider to be natural beef, all grass-fed. Bob Bosol here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And, Pam, there's a real effort to find out more information about who's doing it and how expensive the practice of uh, more grassland is. Absolutely, Bob. Fabulous. Farm Bay Pam Yankee at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And actually, this is an effort that's been going on for quite some time, especially if you talk to some of the researchers that are involved with it, like Randy Jackson, who's a grassland ecologist, and Brad Barham, who is an ag economist. They are involved in grassland 2.0. And really what it is, is about helping people understand the benefits of grass as a part of our grazing system, even a part of our conventional uh, agriculture and rotation. Uh, They are going to be launching a big survey in 2022 to try to go in-depth, especially with dairy and livestock owners, about their attitude toward grassland. Uh, They both have some very strong feelings about the benefits that we could see if more land was converted back to grassland. I started the conversation by chatting with Randy Jackson about what we don't know regarding grassland 2.0 and the team he's working with. The Grassland 2.0 project is a USDA-funded project, and our effort is to raise awareness uh, about what's happening out on the landscape with farming uh, in general. Uh, We know that dairy farmers are hurting. We know that the dairy industry is hurting and has been for a while, and so we're really working hard to find uh, opportunities to keep more people in dairy and to keep more people in farming. So our tagline is, one of our taglines is, uh, trying to restore people to agriculture, and also trying to restore prairie to agriculture. And I can talk more about what I mean by prairie. 
Well, and I know I, I had an opportunity to hear Randy speak at a Department of Ag Trade and Consumer Protection gathering, and you said that you really have a passion for this kind of project. You've been looking for this your entire career. Well, yeah, I, so I've been at it for some 20 or 30 years now and uh, published a lot of work and that sort of thing, and it tends to pile up, uh, on, we used to say on the shelves, but now on the Internet. And we were noticing that, you know, it wasn't really having a lot of effect. And so the thing that we're excited about with this project, that the project is specifically about making change. We're really working hard to try and understand how we make change, how we help people come around to change and that sort of thing. So it brings in social sciences, political sciences, economy, economy, economics, ecology, et cetera. So how are we going to accomplish this? What is the ultimate end game for Grassland 2.0, aside from raising awareness, Randy? Well, our vision is an agriculture that actually restores much of the function of the original prairie. And by function, I mean soil building rather than soil eroding. And uh, by function, I mean holding on to nutrients and keeping them out of our waterways rather than leaking into our waterways and fouling our surface and groundwaters, supporting biodiversity. But probably most important, profitable uh, for farmers and, and good for society and communities in general. You mentioned that there are many people that are invested in this program, not just USDA. Tell me about your team. Sure. Uh, we have a lot of academics from UW-Madison, the University of Minnesota, uh, but a lot of partners from uh, non-governmental organizations, not-for-profit organizations. Uh, some of the local ones that come to mind are the Michael Fields Ag Institute, the Savannah Institute, the Land Institute, and I could go on and on. There are a lot of organizations like that are, that are part of our team. And really part of our goal is to build the team, to build the partnerships, and, and to bring people together. And, of course, one of our big goals is to reach beyond the agricultural sector per se. We really are trying hard to connect people to where their food comes from, connect people to the land, connect people to farmers. So why should I care about this, Randy? Uh, if I'm a landowner... I've been doing things the way I've been doing things for a while. Um, I'm a little scared about the idea of grazing or pasture and what it could do to my bottom line. Why do people want to keep an eye on Grassland 2.0 and investigate it, even if they're not landowners? Well, at the farm level, from the farmer's perspective, we see from the literature and also from examples and anecdotes from talking to people that when people go to grazing as a way of feeding their livestock, whether it's for beef or dairy— that that tends to reduce their production costs, and everybody's looking for ways to reduce their production costs. Now, I'm not an economist, so I speak with big arm wavy brushstrokes about what you know the economics of it are. But in general, that's what we see, and so we see it as an effective way of keeping people on the on the land mm-hmm. and in farming. From society's perspective, the more we move to grass-based agriculture, the better off we are in terms of our our water quality, in terms of our atmosphere, trying to help stabilize climate. Uh, and then biodiversity. Biodiversity is really plummeting. And part of that is ascribed to agriculture. And the more grass there is on the landscape, the better off pollinators will be, the better off birds will be, the better off fish will be, trout habitat, etc. So it really checks all the boxes. And that's one of the reasons we're so bullish about it. Well, you made a very good point when I heard you speak, Randy. Quite frankly, if we're in a constant corn-soybean rotation, the land just gets tired. The land does get tired, uh, and uh, especially the way we disturb it. So there's a lot of interest in no-till and that sort of thing, which is a good step in the right direction, Uh, especially when we leave it bare and fallow for parts of the year. 
There's a lot of interest in cover crops, another step in the right direction. But frankly, our models point to the fact that they're not like those things are not likely to get us where we need to be in the long term. And so Grassland 2.0 has a necessarily long-term vision. We're really looking at like 2050 and beyond, and, mm-hmm. and we're engaging farmers especially, but also folks out in the community in questions like, what do you want out of agriculture? What do you need out of agriculture? What would you like your children and, their grand- and your grandchildren to have as we look forward to the future of agriculture? And in that regard, we're kind of trying to diffuse that notion that, hey, we're coming for your plow today. Because <laughs> that's really not our approach. Our approach is to help people stay in business, but to stay in business in ways that are sustainable, not just economically, but environmentally and socially as well. That's Randy Jackson. He's the project director for Grassland 2.0. He's a grassland ecologist himself and one of the team members that's taking this message to the countryside. Uh, joining him in that quest of getting feedback on Grassland 2.0 practices and what you want from the program is Brad Barham. He is a grassland economist, and he's involved in kind of that public feedback, public interaction side of things. Tell me about what's coming up in 2022, Brad, that you're working on, that people regardless of their background or their engagement in agriculture might be curious about. Sure. Thank you for having us, Pam. So in uh, 2022, we're going to be doing a statewide survey, really a census. We're going to be sending an an invitation to all dairy farmers across the state, all 6,000 of them or so, to participate in a survey that's going to ask a lot of questions about different kinds of things that matter both to them and hopefully to the rest of us. We'll be asking them about their views on policy, their attitudes towards farming. We're going to be asking them about their recent experiences, the ways they're using their land, the ways they might be interested in using their land and trying to get them uh, their information back out and to the public and to decision makers, to uh, policymakers and to people, you know, like Randy, who can uh, help them guide decisions in the future. And the thing we're excited about is this is the first kind of survey at this scope. By that, I mean going to everybody, as well as with this range of questions. It's been done in more than 10 years. And let me just add that I did these kinds of surveys uh, for the University of Wisconsin and for the state up until about 2010. So from about the early 90s to 2010, these kinds of surveys were pretty common. And they were getting the word back out and into the you know legislature and into other places for people to understand. But it's been a while, so we need to catch back up and really see where the dairy farmers of Wisconsin are and what they what they are aspiring to in ways we might help. Now, you've got a pretty sophisticated uh, way that you're going to be reaching that audience. I mean, it's not uh, random. It's very calculated. That's right. Well, I mean, one of the advantages of the Internet and the fact that more and more farmers are, you know, active on the Internet in, in their homes with hopefully better broadband access day after day uh, is that we're going to be sending them the survey invitation in the mail, but asking them to do the survey online if they're able. If they're not or they don't want to, and but they want to participate, we'll have a series of short questions, maybe four or five, that allow them to then get a, a hard copy sent to them that's appropriate to their operation. So it's like screening questions that if you're not let's say, involved in a value-added dairy initiative, then you won't get a bunch of questions on value-added dairy. If you're not involved in grazing, you'll get just a few questions about it that, uh, that maybe probe your attitudes and your experience, but don't ask you, you know, how many, ti- how many times a week you rotate your cows on pasture when you don't have your cows on pasture. How, what about outreach? I mean, and I say that in light of what we talked about before we began the interview, and that is where you're hybrid, we're virtual entirely, we're face-to-face. I mean, trying to know how you're going to reach these folks 
through just outreach and education. Explain it. Yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, I think, you know, the one of the things that we're doing in the project, and this may be a point where we bring Randy back into the conversation soon, is we have something called Learning Hubs, where we're working in communities around the state, where we've identified, you know, groups of people who are willing to kind of take the plunge with us and work on thinking about what agriculture will look like in 10, 20 years, trying to balance working on what they're doing now and what their needs are now with what the visions are for the future. So that's one form of outreach that the Grasslands 2.0 project has been quite active in. Uh, But for this particular project for the survey, we're going to need a lot more than that. And one way we've tried to build the outreach into the project is by having different groups participate in the survey design. So we've been working with people from the Farm Bureau, from from Wisconsin Farmers Union, and from other organizations to uh, get their input on the survey design so that we would then be able to turn back around and say, hey, can you remind your, your, your members, your friends to do the survey? Brad Barm, he's an ag economist, along with Randy Jackson, who is a grassland ecologist, both from the UW-Madison campus, both part of the team that helps to make up Grassland 2.0, looking for your input and involvement in their survey 2022. Find out more about the group, grasslandag.org. That's grasslandag.org. And again, another one of those conversations will continue to update in 2022. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Recently, the U.S. Navy delivered tons of food to hungry people halfway around the world. But you could help someone in your own community simply by donating a can of soup. Last week, a Navy doctor saved the life of a total stranger. Just like you could by giving a pint of blood. The men and women of America's Navy do some amazing things to make the world a better place. So can you. Whether it's by donating food or simply giving time, right in your own backyard. Brought to you by America's Navy. When the north winds blow, you need to be able to fight back. Whether it's with warm clothing and accessories from Carhartt and Muck Boots, heaters for your milk house or den, every kind of salt and ice melt, you might need to fight the nastiest storms, as well as snow tires and batteries for when Mother Nature plays hardball. The winter warriors at McFarland's will get you back in front of that cozy fire in no time flat. McFarland's, one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition. Imagine a brand new, maintenance-free look for your home's exterior. Have Prairie Exteriors show you options like architecturally designed siding, which can give you the look of cedar without the worry of woodpeckers or painting. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Good morning, Stephanie Hoff here for the Midwest Farm Report. And our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck, joins us with some weather details today. Stu, the, the big news here is this winter weather advisory. I read the Madison area will get three to five inches. Well, what about the rest of the state? I don't know we'll get quite that much, Stephanie, but yeah, there'll be some snow. Everybody does have the winter weather advisory, varying times. It starts today, 
lasts on through tonight. Some folks even on into the day tomorrow, but that winter weather advisory is still in store. I'll try and play that out for you. What's going to happen is low pressure is strengthening to the southwest. It will build northeast and push up through Wisconsin. There's some rain down in Missouri this morning, southern Iowa, southern Illinois, snow in central Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota. Just beginning to move into western Wisconsin, all that activity will move from southwest to northeast. And we'll see that precipitation develop into Wisconsin over the course of the day. It may be yet this morning at La Crosse or near Madison, and then more likely midday, say, Mauston to Beaver Dam, and in the afternoon, Fond du Lac and Oshkosh. But it starts out as some snow, could mix with rain, freezing rain, sleet. There'll be some fog overnight, and we'll see some varying precipitation. If I had to draw a little spot and say heaviest, Probably Madison up toward Most and the Dells included right in there. Could be that near two or maybe four inches of snow. Everybody else a little on the lower side, one to three. Oshkosh and Fond du Lac, maybe an inch or two might be all that we see. But there will be snow, kind of windy yet today, so a little blowing and drifting with that new snow coming down. And then cold air building in behind it. That's the one we have to watch. Those temperatures drop off pretty sharply. For Wednesday, Thursday, and on toward the end of the week, the weekend as well, nighttime lows dropping down in single digits and the like. It does sound like a little more wintry weather is going to try to be here as we head toward the start of the new year. Nothing drastic either, though. You know, getting back toward normal or slightly below, that's about all it is. But from what we've seen here lately, it's a bit of a change. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They, they just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. It's a known expense that every farm has. Put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us, and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Now, Stu, I I told you this morning the drive-in wasn't too bad for me, but when will it start to get bad? When will the snow start piling up, freezing rain, sleet make it for poor driving conditions? Well, in the Madison area, Stephanie, I think you're talking about some of that snow probably as we look toward midday or into the afternoon. And it could, it could fall at a rate of near an inch an hour. That mix of precipitation a little more likely toward evening after dark about that time when things may mix up a bit. The winter weather advisory in effect from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. for La Crosse, from 11 today until midnight tonight for Austin and Madison, and then 1 p.m. this afternoon to 2 a.m. tomorrow for Beaver Dam, Fond du Lac, and Oshkosh. What we expect will be cloudy skies, snow developing yet this morning in the southwest toward midday in the south central and then in the afternoon further east look for temps still in the low 30s today and the east winds 5 to 10 gusting to 25 
cloudy skies, snow ending at Lacrosse already this evening. For the rest of us, that rain, snow mix may develop a little freezing rain, some fog around as well. Down into the teens overnight, maybe a low 20 in the south. Winds will become west, northwest 5 to 10. Mostly cloudy Wednesday, a small chance of a little light snow in the afternoon or evening. We only make our way back up into the mid-20s with the northwest winds at 5 to 10. Partly sunny by Thursday. In the upper 20s, winds become south at 5. But it is going to stay a little cool here, Stephanie, even toward the weekend. Mid-20s and where we should be in the upper 20s heading for the new year. After this storm system goes through, any predictions of anything else coming through? A little light snow, a little light snow late Wednesday, maybe a little light snow Friday night into Saturday, but that's just enough to brighten it up. All right. Thanks so much, Stu. Drive safe out there. You too. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Need it, but don't need to own it? Rent it at McFarland's in Sauk City. Everything to help make your party or project a success. Tables, tents, tablecloths, treat machines, and more. Rug cleaners, floor sanders, tile cutters, and chainsaws. McFarland's is your one-stop project center for DIY home renovators. It's all here under one roof. McFarland's, your complete and replete, I repeat, rental center. One block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition. Into the cold winter months, you may notice drafts around your windows and doors. Now is the time to let Prairie Exteriors give you a full, free inspection and show you what new windows and doors can do for the health of your family and your home. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com. It's that time of year for giving and taking. With so many people shopping online because of the pandemic, this holiday season, we are expected to have a record-breaking year for home deliveries and those pesky porch pirates. These adventurous thieves feast on crimes of opportunity, often finding their treasure in apartment complexes and vulnerable front porches. If you'd like to keep your deliveries, Madison Erie Crime Stoppers has a few package theft prevention tips. Have your packages held at your local carrier facility for pickup. Take advantage of ship to store for curbside pickup or check out Amazon's locker feature. You can request that your package have a signature confirmation upon delivery. Ask your carrier to place packages in an area out of plain view have packages delivered to your work schedule delivery for times you will be home have packages delivered to a neighbor who is home or install a video doorbell since they are already on your property and porch some of these porch pirates will also check for unlocked doors so make sure that the exterior of your home and any vehicles are locked up every day and night if you have any information regarding porch pirates please contact madison area crime stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com individuals contacting crime stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward Imagine a brand new, maintenance-free look for your home's exterior. Have Prairie Exteriors show you options like architecturally designed siding, which can give you the look of cedar without the worry of woodpeckers or painting. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We make it easy to get the answers you need. When you call us during regular business hours, you'll be greeted by a relationship banker. No maze of automated prompts to maneuver here. Just a friendly hello from a banker you know. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people 
you know. Member FDIC Equal Housing Lender. This looks like a car. Has tires, headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If you talk and they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy. So we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, you can do it if you try. Brett Lorenzo Favre. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Actually, I'm in town to congratulate Aaron Rodgers for passing my 442 mark, you dumbass. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Congrats. <laughs> I mean, what a ride it's been for Aaron Rodgers. First round pick in 05. You think Favre, and we talked about this in the 6 o'clock hour already, but now that we've, you know, rubbed the sleepies out of our eyes, saving the environment, planting one tree in a time and having a fake tree at home using our reusable mugs. You think Brett Favre was a little salty about that? Well, I bet everyone, if you held a record deep down, never wants it to be broken. And I don't think Brett Favre openly contacted the Packers if he knew Aaron Rodgers was tied with him for most passing touchdowns for a career with the Green Bay Packers. was like, I need to send a video to Aaron Rodgers. It needs to play on the uh, the big board at Lambeau. You think Mark I'm Murphy pretty made the sure call? the Green Bay Packers contacted Brett Do you Favre. think Mark Murphy made the call? He's like, hey, hey, gunslinger. Yeah. Well, we got this. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but we got history coming up here at Christmas. Could you do me a solid and... <sighs> Record a video really quick. Farm's like, yeah, how long it gotta be? Uh, make it like, can you make it about it like thirty seconds? Best I can do is ten seconds. Best I can do is ten seconds. You know, you know how, how long uh, is this video? The last few years, Rogers has referred to Brett Favre as Farvey. Yeah, Farvey. And it turns out there's a few other guys from the past that have referred to him as Farvey. Never heard it before till this year, but apparently, according to Mike Clemens, yes. 
you know, it doesn't really work with Roger's last name, Rogery. It, Raji. It, yeah, it doesn't that really work. That sounds like BJ Raji. Maybe that's why everyone just calls him 12. You can't throw the E at the end of his last name. 12 E. And that's why he said, because he didn't even refer to him as, hey, Aaron, or it was strictly, hey, 12. Congratulations, man, on passing my touchdown record. I have one request. Go get us another Super Bowl. Okay, that video actually wasn't even 10 seconds long. Favre talked for eight seconds. That was Favre's, that was Favre's passing of the torch. Hey, hey, 12. Uh, congrats, I guess. Go get a Super Bowl. Do you think he made the Packers pay a um, yes. cameo fee? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you think Favre did that for free? There ain't no way. Y'all, if you want me to y'all tell Aaron Rodgers that he broke my record, you better be our pony up, man. I got I got taxes to pay for my Favre Enterprise in Mississippi. They're on my ass. I can't believe how much some of those cameo people make from that. Oh, I know, dude. It's insane. Like you know those idiot island boys? You ever seen those guys? I, I've seen them. I don't. I don't they know where they like, came from. Are island. they like they rappers? Came, they came from an island. They're island boys. I, I don't know where they, they came from. Miami, I think they're. They're the rowdy. They're the the scounge of the earth. That's what they are. They're not rappers. They're just losers. I, just what I. They're, I don't know where they. They're came losers from. Just, that look like freak shows, and people make fun of them and make they make money off of it, and then they'll be gone in about fifteen days. Yeah, I honestly just assumed that they were like some low level rapper that did a dumb video, and then they were on. Yeah. Yeah, they look like freakazoids, and then people make fun of them and they make money off of it. They make buku cash off a of cameo though. Buku. Probably more than Brett Favre charged uh, Mark Murphy to have that video at Lambo. For eight seconds. Yeah, for eight seconds. I guarantee it. Because I'm an island boy. And I heard that Mark Murphy actually paid him for 10 seconds, and now they're going to have to go uh, look into those payments. <laughs> like the that Mississippi they State Auditor? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Farvey. Yeah, Favre didn't seem uh, too pleased, but I think, I don't know. What did you say earlier uh, in the 6 o'clock hour? I don't think there is... Peachy Keen and Hunky Dory is no, I think they're uh, buddy buddy in public, but you know they're not. They definitely like you know. They might congratulate the each other bit. here and there for different things that the other has done, but overall, I I don't think they text on a regular basis. Okay, something Aaron Rodgers will never break, and I don't think something any quarterback will ever break. What's more impressive, four hundred forty-two touchdowns for Brett Lorenzo Far for the Packers, or the Iron Man streak for the old gunslinger? Well. When you look at touchdowns, what did we say? Aaron Rodgers is in the top five now for all-time touchdowns. Yeah. There's only four other people that <laughs> have thrown that many more. Brett Favre, 321 consecutive starts, including playoffs. And, yeah, the Iron Streak, the Iron Man streak, no one's going to touch. Brett Favre's all-time interception record. It, you figured it out at Aaron Rodgers' pace. Aaron Rodgers had to play for how many years to break Favre's? It was roughly 50 years in the NFL total. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From field to fork and everything in between is why the kids from Wisconsin stay. It's a great way to start your day. Welcome back on a Tuesday. And if you're just tuning in, I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. And now from the Alcivia Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Tuesday. Will the $3 trillion Build Back Better package help rural Wisconsin? Well, Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin seems to think so. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. She says the provisions in this proposal aim to fix some of those key issues rural Wisconsin is facing. Yeah, so the 
Build Back Better budget is really focused on removing barriers to re-entering the workforce and and lowering costs for uh, working families. So it, it really covers the spectrum of issues that are challenging. So when I say lowering prices and you know removing barriers to, to getting back into the workforce, I'm talking about everything from making childcare more affordable to making home care for our seniors more affordable, making health care for everyone more affordable, reducing the cost of prescription drugs. So the Build Back Better budget that we are debating in Congress focuses on on those things and pays for it by making the wealthy and big multinational profitable corporations pay their fair share of taxes, which is correcting another injustice right now. You know, $3 trillion, that's more than I can even fathom. Are you concerned about the cost of the package, especially during a time of inflation? The inflation that we have been experiencing is real and it's painful for for families to see higher prices at the grocery store and at the gas pump, but it's largely pandemic related. The inflation that we're seeing right now has to do with the fact that there was a lot of supply chain disruption during the pandemic and there was spending to help people make ends meet during the early stages of the pandemic, which meant there was an imbalance between supply and demand. We're already seeing the emerging signs that this is coming, going to soon be behind us. The one thing we know is that as long as one pays as we go for uh, legislation, it should not have inflationary effects. So because the Build Back Better budget is paid for, essentially by asking the very wealthiest uh, to pay their fair share, we shouldn't see any uh, additional inflation effect because of uh, passage of that legislation. Is Wisconsin going to see its fair share of those funds? If it passes, the provisions that lower health care costs, that lower drug costs, that um, make child care more affordable and home care more affordable, but also increases the wages and benefits of the people who do that work, that's going to impact individuals and working families no matter where they live in the United States. We expect that this will be something that will, again, reduce barriers to work. I might add that there's a lot of folks who have not returned to the workforce uh, after the pandemic because of the issue of child care. There are uh, a lot of child care centers that operated before the pandemic began just didn't make it and didn't reopen. Or they can't keep workers long enough to be able to accept more children. And so I've talked to any number of Wisconsin moms or moms and dads who are simply unable to get back to full-time work because they can't find childcare at all. Um, and certainly it's out of reach in terms of affordability. I just want to know if you have a timeline for negotiations on the Build Back Better plan. The Build Back Better uh, budget is being reviewed by our Senate parliamentarian. We have these very uh, unique rules that are associated with going through the budget reconciliation process. Literally, provision by provision, the uh, the Senate parliamentarian is reviewing the bill to make sure that it, it meets our uh, budget reconciliation rules. We're waiting for that process to be completed. We can't put an artificial deadline on how long that takes. And then it'll be available for us 
to uh, take up and debate uh, thereafter. That's Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin voicing her support for the Build Back Better agenda and also offering an update on where that is in the legislative process. Stay tuned for your commodity markets coming up next. Start off the new year strong by participating in the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference, January 19th and 20th at the Monona Terrace in Madison. Dairy Strong brings together a wide variety of management philosophies and allows you to explore innovative ideas. At Dairy Strong, surround yourself with forward-thinking farmers and business owners. Register for the Dairy Business Association's annual Dairy Strong Conference at dairyforward.com. Virtual options are also available. Let's keep Dairy Strong. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, back with your market update. But first, I've got some more news for you. Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin recently called out the nominee to head up the FDA, Dr. Robert Califf, on how aggressively he'd enforce existing labeling on dairy products. He responded by saying there's nothing more fundamental about safety than people understanding what they're ingesting, and he's committed to making this a priority. I asked Senator Baldwin how comfortable she was with that answer. Currently, the uh, Food and Drug Administration has studied the issue of mislabeling of uh, dairy products and is preparing guidance for the industry to make sure that there's not mislabeling. That guidance is, is to come out in the months to come, and I'll be very, very focused on whether it is sufficient, whether it's strong enough, and certainly the Food and Drug Administration will have responsibilities to follow through once that guidance is issued. Uh, but I hope to see a real change in the industry so that we don't allow plant-based imitation to uh, use dairy's good name. Our dairy farmers work hard to meet the uh, standards of identity in law of the nutritional uh, quality of their products. Plant-based substitutes uh, should not be able to uh, gain from dairy's good name. Do you feel like you have good backing in the Senate from both other states but also on the other side of the aisle on enforcing dairy labeling? Yes, in fact, my Dairy Pride Act has always been bipartisan, and I am confident that there are dairy farms across the country and farmers who are talking to their members of Congress about how important this issue is. There's enough challenges that our hardworking dairy farmers face. This shouldn't be one that they have to be burdened with also. That's Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin on the latest developments in the dairy labeling issue. Do you live in the Wisconsin Lake Michigan watershed? Well, the Sand County Foundation is helping private landowners in that Lake Michigan watershed to adopt regenerative agriculture. So this project will work with farmers to generate whole farm conservation plans. Then it will quantify the benefits the new regenerative egg practices can have on water quality and biodiversity. You can learn more at MidwestFarmReport.com. From Chicago, March corn is trading at six sixteen and three quarters. That's up two cents. January beans are up nine and a quarter at thirteen seventy one and three quarters. Cash wheat is up a penny and a half at eight oh five and a half. July new crop wheat is up a half a cent at eight oh one and a quarter. Calling all Wisconsin dairy processors. You can apply for dairy processor grants through January 7th. With the money, DadCap aims to help processors innovate and improve profits. The grant dollars can be used to address a wide range of dairy business needs like food safety, staff training, and plant expansion or modernization. 
You could get up to fifty grand for your project. Processors must match 20% of that grant amount. You can find the application link at MidwestFarmReport.com. And now let's look at those dairy markets. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was sitting at $1.67 and a half. That's up two and a half. The 40-pound block cheese was up three and three quarters at $1.91. Double-A butter was up a nickel and a half at two thirty and a half. And currently, January Class 3 milk is trading at 1966 a hundredweight, up seven cents. February milk is up 19 cents at 2039 a hundredweight. Hey, if you don't already, follow the Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook to keep up with the Midwest Farm Report team. You can also find the Fabulous Farm Babe on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you there, but until then, stay tuned for a conversation with the National Pork Board coming up next. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Huh, nice. Hardwood floor. Or is it? Sounds like a floor. It's not squishy. That's good. Floors aren't supposed to squish. Goes wall to wall, like good floors do. And I'm walking all over it. Usually, a dead giveaway that it's a floor. But it's not a floor. This is a mattress. Charlie Heidel's for 52 days. People like Charlie are scattered all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll supply nearly $400,000 in bedding, furniture, clothing, and household items to people like Charlie. Just one part of the more than $1.4 million in food, shelter, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We'd like to take this moment to say thank you to our clients and staff members who continue to make Settlers Bank a preferred place to bank and work. We wish you the very best over the upcoming holidays and look forward to a prosperous new year. To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. If winter is getting the upper hand, fight back with Simplicity's most powerful single-stage snow throwers, featuring the Snow Shredder Serrated Auger. This powerful feature easily clears heavily compacted snow and ice, allowing you to clear snow faster compared with our other Simplicity single-stage snowblowers. Not to mention, now you can finally tackle tough and complicated end-of-driveway snow left behind the snowplow. McFarland's one block south of Highway 12 at 780 Carolina Street, where service is a family tradition. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. So for the National Pork Board, sustainability for pork producers is about doing what's right for the pigs, the people, and then also the planet. And you guys have a unique way of doing this, focusing on social sustainability. I'm talking to Dr. Brett Kaysen, the Senior Vice President of Sustainability with the National Pork Board. Not only are you focusing on animal welfare, planet welfare, but the welfare of your people. 
Absolutely. It comes back to the six ethical principles of the We Care program that pork industry has been involved with for over a decade. And two of those ethical principles are our people and our community. And so we know as pig farmers that we have to uplift the people that work within the farms and in the barns, but also then uplift our communities in which we operate in. That's what makes us sustainable over time is without the people, the pig industry doesn't run. And without the people is the phrase that we're concerned about right now in the state age. Workforce shortages are happening nationwide, especially in Wisconsin and especially in the agribusiness sector. So how do you keep a workforce? What unique ways are you seeing the industry step up to take care of its labor? What we've learned is it's more than just salary. A lot of folks say, well, just throw more money at the problem and that'll fix it. And it's just simply not true. It's more of meeting the people that work on the farms where they're at. And what I mean by that is, are you investing in me as an employee? Do I have the opportunity to go to the leadership conference? Do you have a personal improvement uh, development plan for me? Hey, maybe I want to learn another language. Maybe I want to take some courses at the community college. And if we'll do that and we'll provide that really good salary, provide those health and benefits, give them a great work culture to work in, but invest in them as a young leader or aspiring leader, that makes a big difference both from a recruitment perspective, but once you recruit them to the farm, retain them as well. What is the labor situation right now among producers. Is it causing delays? Is it causing backlogs? Is it causing maybe downscale? It is absolutely putting a bend in the supply chain because we lack those farm folks to lead pig production units across the country and we're really seeing it show up in the pork processing plants where it's reduced our ability to get that chain speed at the levels that we need to get that wonderful pork product to the consumer shelf so it's a real and big challenge when i talk to producers i say hey list the top three that things that are keeping you up at night a lot of the answers i get is labor labor and labor you know another focus that you guys have is also on your employee mental health Mental health is something we're hearing more and more, especially as farmers face supply chain issues, a pandemic, long days and nights in the fields. How are you addressing mental health? We're putting a focus and a priority on it. And what we're doing is we're investing dollars through the checkoff to say this is one of the biggest challenges our farmers face. So we need to provide them the resources that are available to them. So we've really been an education arm for the mental health sector and the social sector. Folks call into our service center and say, how can you help me with my employees to get that emotional stability that we need? And that's a little bit out of our realm, myself as a scientist, right? And so we're reaching out with third-party resources to wrap our arms around those farmers to protect them and their people. What are those stressors that pig producers are facing right now? Some of those are, you know, do we have enough people that are going to show up to work today to farrow those sows? And if we get those market hogs to market, can we get them to the processing plant on the day of delivery and get them fabricated in time? Or, you know, take it all the way back to the row crop. Do we have enough people to sit in the combine to get that crop out of the field to put it in the bin? So it's coming at us from all angles. And at the end of the day, we've got to have these people that are passionate about animal agriculture, willing to pitch in and being part of nourishing the world. It's a big vision. It's a big, important job. We've just got to make it more attractive to the majority of people out there. And this is just one step in beginning to ensure also planet welfare and animal welfare. So why don't you go into how uh, taking care of your people helps take care of pigs? Absolutely. Well, taking care of your people, if they have a good attitude, they're excited to come to work and they're passionate about what they do, the research proves, and we've observed it, they really do a great job of taking care of those pigs. Happy people means happy pigs because they'll pay attention to detail. They want to spend extra time in the pig barn. And ultimately, they're more committed to the details of that animal husbandry component. 
In turn, this helps make the operation probably more environmentally sustainable. But how? How does that connect? So what we're seeing is a lot of people are saying, listen, if we're taking care of these animals, they're more efficient and they're healthier. They use less feedstuffs and they make for a healthy planet. The other thing that we're seeing with the people in the farms is they're taking a holistic view to their job and saying, hey, I take care of pigs, but I also take care of the nutrients that come out of pigs. And so the way that they wrap themselves around managing pig manure from a storage and a handling perspective, but also application is key to a healthy planet. You know, we know uh, pork can get backlash from consumers. How are you dealing with that? So what we've done is we're actually going to these farms and collecting real farm data from these farmers that demonstrates our commitment to continuous improvement. So a lot of things you'll see out there is sustainability or backlash that says pork production is not sustainable. We're actually taking that real farm data, and it's actually the exact opposite. Pig farms and pork as a protein is one of the most sustainable products ever developed. Think of it this way. You look at the row crop fields, right, in the farms in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Corn and soybeans, before it's grown, pig manure was applied to that soil. We, graze, we grow those corn and soybeans. We harvest that crop. We run it through a pig. It produces this wonderful thing called protein, but it also creates pig manure that we put back into the crop. So when you hear the words circular economy, regenerative agriculture, Pig production plays a positive role in the environment. Do pork producers face any water challenges? Are you addressing water concerns? Absolutely. Water quality is a challenge that we face every day, and we protect those water bodies. And how do we do it? We believe it starts with soil health. And we've got data and research and science that proves if you use pig manure as a proper nutrient at the right rate, it builds organic matter in the soil. And as those soils are healthier, they retain more water. That water stays in place in the fields where it belongs and reduces those runoffs into our natural waterways. This all is a part of that we care ethical principle that you guys have. Absolutely. So you'll hear a lot about the North Star Initiative of the global framework of the United Nations 17 Sustainability Development Goals. We care ethical principles on behalf of pig farmers bolt into that global strategy. And so when you think about sustainability for pig farmers, think about the six we care ethical principles and be looking for measurement, monitoring, and reporting of that data coming soon. I would just encourage pig farmers to go to porkcheckoff.org forward slash sustainability to learn more. And consumers can too, right? And consumers as well, because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are consuming our product. And so if they have any questions, a good consumer website is porkcares.org, porkcares.org. That was Dr. Brett Kaysen, the Senior Vice President of Sustainability with the National Pork Board, again talking about those six ethical principles of the We Care program, focusing on the welfare of people, pigs, and the planet. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option.